The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of Still Curtain. Joining me, as always, is co-host Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We're going to talk about Marcus Golden's role on the Steelers, uh, what that's going to look like in 2023, or at least what we think it'll look like. Uh, we're going to name some breakout players and potentially what their seasons could look like coming up here. Before we do that, let's just touch on some trending topics first. And we'll kick things off, Shane, with Le'Veon Bell's comments. So, I mean, it's funny that we're talking about Bell in the way that we are still at this this long after the fact. But uh, obviously, Bell goes on the the Still Here podcast. Um, he shares a lot of information, including some of his past regrets. He also shared that he would smoke marijuana before football games. So, what do you make, Shane, of everything that that Le'Veon Bell just said on the podcast here? So there's definitely a lot to break down with it. Um, I think that the as far, let's start with the obvious one that people are talking a lot about the marijuana situation. Mm. I'm not that surprised. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised that yeah. there was dozens of other players who also probably do that. So that isn't a huge shock to me. Him saying it is a little bit surprising. Although, like at this point, I guess it doesn't matter too much because even though he did mention he'd like a chance in the preseason with the team, I don't know if that's going to happen. So, you know, he's probably not really worried about that at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I think it is interesting, and, and like I will say, like the way his play style was, he was very methodical. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we always yeah. he, he yeah. was kind of in slow motion. Maybe he actually was a little bit in slow motion, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. But. um no, I mean, if he really, I mean, if that is the case, then one, pretty impressive to be able to be as good as he was while dealing with that, depending on how much it really hurt or helped him. But I think the most interesting part of it, though, is the fact that he, look, he, when he looked back at things, he did regret the whole situation. And, and I think mm -hmm. in hindsight, like part of the problem with this, and this is the case with running backs now and with the Steelers in general, is most teams aren't going to give you guaranteed money past that, like first year of the deal, right? So yeah. that was the big hang up at the time was really not so much the amount of money. It was how the money and how the structure was paid out and how everything like that worked with the contract. So it's mm -hmm. obviously in hindsight, if he would have stayed with the Steelers, he'd probably be more, he would have been a better player down the stretch of his career. Most likely, you know, would have been on better teams. So I'm sure he does feel a little bit of regret because, you know, looking at how that New York team did and Adam Gase, and he talked about the difference between head coaches and stuff like that. He didn't realize how much of a difference it really was. All of it makes a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. I mean, me personally, Shane, I don't have regrets about the way that turned out because, no, because I was saying at the time, like, so, so Le'Veon Bell was coming off a, a season in which he had 321 carries. This was before yes. he decided to hold out and not tell his teammates about it. Yes. Yeah. Over 400 touches. When you give somebody as much usage as you did, I was very concerned that the Steelers even offered him the deal that they offered. And so I'm, yeah. I'm actually still to this day, I'm pleased that, he decided to go with the Jets. And I know that goes against what a lot of fans would say. And you get an all pro player, you want to keep them around. It, there's just so much evidence of running back shelf life. There's so much evidence of, of running back over usage. And when that tread is off the tires, there's just nothing left. And we're talking about Le'Veon Bell who came into the league running a four, six. And so the guy did not hit explosive plays at a high rate at all. He was good, 
but he didn't hit explosive plays at a high rate. We could see the downward trend, I think, already, Shane, in that final season with the Steelers. He took a, a drastic dip in efficiency from 4.9 yards to carry down to 4.0, and it only got worse from there. He was horrendous on the Jets. I mean, yeah, the guy averaged 3.2 yards a carry, even though they tried to force-feed him the ball in, in the running game and the passing game, just was not an efficient player at all. And I do think that his career would have lasted longer in Pittsburgh. It's just like, how much longer? When you're getting the uses yeah. that you did, you had the ACL tear in the past, and so... Uh, it's just interesting. And, and the fact that there are people out there saying like, let's make it happen. Let's have this comeback story. Wait, Bell's a 31 year old player who's been removed from football, who lost everything. I mean, we, we, we watched him in his final years of his career. There was nothing left. And, and so I just don't see the appeal of saying, yeah, let's, let's take Jalen Warren off the field and put right, yeah. Tom Bell on there. Like it just doesn't yeah. make sense to yeah. me at all. So I didn't understand that point of it. Uh, he was very, very bold, very honest about yeah. what he had to say. Um, and maybe it's some things that the NFL needs to to kind of fix on their end. If, if, if they're able to, these players are getting away with what they're getting away with and these things are happening. I don't know. Uh, so it's just, just very interesting. I thought I found the whole, the whole situation very interesting there. Yeah. The way his career ended, it, it does seem like even if he had signed, signed the deal that we wanted to give him, we probably would have gotten maybe two more starting caliber seasons from him. Yeah. And then we would have had to move on, which granted with the way the contract was structured, there's a reason why it was structured, where it was pretty much just mm -hmm. guaranteed for that first year because they could get out of it then if they needed to. So maybe he would have been looked on more favorably at the end of his career, but you know, bounced around a little bit at the end there. And I do think, like you said, there's yeah. no real reason for any team to bring him in at this point. It doesn't bring special teams value. Mm -hmm. He's not gonna be able to play that for you. He has to be valuable on offense. And I just don't think he is at this point. Yeah. And I do applaud Kevin Colbert for, for, structuring that contract extension, right. what, it, what it would have looked like the way that he did, because you don't want to lock yourself in no. long-term with somebody who's already had a ton of wear and tear on the rookie deal. Um, so it all works out. I mean, the Steelers, again, because they lost uh, Le'Veon Bell, they turned the compensatory pick into James Conner, who had a great yeah. career in Pittsburgh when he was healthy. Yeah. And then they moved from there to the duo that they have now. And it's, it, it, it all works out, but uh, yeah, I mean, not disappointed that, that bell left but obviously you wish that he could have left on better terms the guy former right. all pro uh one of the best to play for the steelers at least during that stretch and so yeah i uh, wish we could have been on better terms all right shane notes from steelers otas uh, a lot of stuff floating out there again mm -hmm. this is practice and shorts right we, it's, we, it's not we don't want to yeah. yeah we don't want to make it more than what it is but it is football <laughs> it's, it's out there and so uh we're seeing these videos floating around twitter obviously you and i aren't there but steelers media uh, has taken has taken some vids and they've posted them uh, to Twitter. Uh, anything that you've noticed so far? Anything that you you wanted to point out from OTAs? Yeah, for me, like with with OTAs, what I'm looking for is I want to see do guys look different? Have they changed something yeah. about you know the way that they play, the way they're trying to build themselves as far as their body, their their mm -hmm. mindset? That's really what you're looking for because you can get some early returns on like what kind of work guys have been doing in the off season. You know, if a guy's slimming down, obviously that means that he thinks he needs to add some explosiveness. If he's bulking up, maybe that means you're going to get some more power from this game, whether that's as a, you know, interior player or you know whatever position it is, or looking for more power, or just more durability. So, for example, like a guy like Mark Robinson, apparently he has looked fantastic just in shorts, obviously, and he, you know, he is mm -hmm. a, a kind of that bundle of energy type of player, but he seems. And the big thing is, they, it seems like he's slowed down a little bit as far as his ability to process. Like he's been able to feel a little bit more comfortable with everything and that's really the part of his game that needs to get better is 
making everything slow down a little bit, seeing what's in front of you and attacking it and not having the missed tackles like he did at the end of last year or missed assignments. If he can play effectively and play in within himself, I think he can be a starting caliber linebacker for this team. Whether it happens right away or not, I'm not sure, just because we did bring in Holcomb, obviously, to be kind of the main linebacker, and then Roberts is experienced, all that. But he's going to have a shot to win that second linebacker job, and they probably play re- really well if he does win it. Yeah, and, and Robinson's definitely doing himself some favors. I mean, he had yeah. the, the play of OTA so yep. far with the pick six, the pick six Kenny, on, yeah. on Kenny Pickett. And again, it's it's practice in short, so we don't know how hard these guys are going. And and if anybody could have tracked him down, maybe it's not. Maybe he doesn't return for a touchdown. But uh, it's it's a heads up play by, on his part. I kind of think when it comes to Robinson specifically, Shane. I think that him and in Landon Roberts are going to be kind of fighting yes, for one exactly. role. If I had to guess, they just they both feel so similar in the way that they play in the their downhill mentality, the way that they win. That's I think that Holcomb's going to be that Mac linebacker, that guy that so, they yeah. want out there uh, in nickel and dime. And so it, I'm interested to see how that kind of rotation shakes out there because we saw a pretty heavy rotation between the Steelers three linebackers last year in in Jack Bush and Splane. Obviously, all three of them are gone now, so. Uh, there's time, there's playing time open there. And that's uh, if everybody's healthy even. And so yeah. somebody gets an injury. I mean, I mean, obviously Robinson stepping up and do a much bigger role. Uh, other notes from OTA. Uh, let's see here. Nothing really too much. Like Jalen Warren looks like quadzilla out there. Yeah, I mean, that him, guy put him and Najee got to be the, like the most ripped running back duo maybe ever. Like those two just are they're, gigantic they're muscular, people for their yeah. size. Like granted, it, like, it's, it's tough to say how much that is good or bad, but I think in Warren's mm-hmm. case, he has looked a little bit more explosive. I've noticed in some of the videos I've seen, if, and he was explosive last year, honestly, more so than we thought he would be. So any added juice you can get out of him would be great. You know, that's going to be really cool to see. Yeah. I think the way he trained was interesting because, you know, the Hills and he went out to Utah and was doing mm-hmm. the Hills. Like, you know, I, all I think about with that is Jerry Rice videos really back in the day when he was running <laughs> Hills and stuff like that and like working out more, but he wasn't trying to necessarily get shredded like he apparently has, but it worked out yeah. that way and he looks you know pretty good off for it. So. Yeah, I mean, he looks quick and explosive. I feel yeah. like in these drills right now, and and mm-hmm. another guy that it does as well as Calvin Austin. Who, yes, I mean, a lot, lot of, lot of videos of uh, Calvin Austin right now, and and we knew that that is the the quick twitch guy. I mean, he's the speed guy on the Steelers. So you hope that he can stay healthy and carve out some sort of niche for them on offense. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I, I did see somebody was talking about Demarvin Leal. It was Nick Faraba, yeah. I think, that was talking yeah, about Demarvin yeah. Leal and. And his body type and not, that he didn't really gain mass and he might have actually gotten a little bit thinner, like lower body mass. So, yeah, that's a little bit concerning if I, and, and I need to look at that again and see. And uh, obviously, we're, we're just using our eye, the eye test right. at this point. We don't really know. But this is a guy that I really was hoping like a year in the NFL weight room, bulk up, get up to around like the 300 mark because yeah, he came into the NFL at, at 283 as a full time edge player. Uh, at, at Texas A&M and he's just not going to hold up there in the NFL because he's not fast enough or athletic enough to do that. So he's going to have to make his, his bread uh, on the inside. And uh, I would like to see him come in a little bit bigger than that. Just, just from what I'm hearing right now. Yeah. It does seem like his lower half people are saying is a little bit lighter, but it's upper half is, is bigger. So I don't know if it's more of like a trade-off or if he did gain overall mass, just maybe lost some of his legs. It's really weird yeah. because I, I feel like at the end of the day, at least for right now, 
it feels more like he is going to be a hybrid player where he is going to get some edge snaps, maybe as a mm-hmm. primary run defender on the edge, maybe as a guy that if you can put him up against a tackle that doesn't have you know the athleticism to handle him, even though his athleticism is a little bit weak as far as straight line speed, but he does have the quickness and the bend. There's certain matchups I could see him being successful on the edge, even as a pass rusher, but he does have to be able to win inside, whether that's as a smaller player, if you can figure that out, or he will have to, like you said, add some some muscle mass there too. Yeah, and there were definitely flashes there as a rookie prior to the injury yeah. where you can see like the pass, pr- pass rush potential and just narrowly missed out on a couple sacks there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you're hoping obviously he takes that that leap and we'll see what happens with him. Uh, let's talk about Kenny Pickett's stolen car here for a minute. I'm sure this is news that has made his way around uh, yeah. by this point, but stolen car. And the big news is his playbook was inside Shane. Yeah. So in case you were wondering, his playbook was stolen as well. Yeah. And weirdly enough, uh, they checked it out and it just had a halfback dive in it. It was kind of weird. <laughs> that it was just like, so maybe they, and they probably wouldn't learn anything enough. But anyway, uh, no, I don't know if it would have mattered much basically the way we've been seeing the offense, but yeah, it's really yeah. crazy that like, obviously it's not surprising as the playbook. It's just that, to get at your car stolen while doing an interview and then the playbook, like I'm sure he was stressing, like just feeling mm. like just so awful. And like, l- luckily it seems like everything's fine. Like the guy apparently didn't even know it was in there. It seems like, so hopefully nothing happens with that again, even if someone did steal the playbook, what are yeah, they yeah, we would hate for that speed yeah. rollout on <laughs> right, third uh, and four to exactly get out to there be. to the opposing team. So. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're going to really learn. Honestly, maybe if that happened, they'd be forced to change up the offense so much that it'd be good. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But honestly, I'm just glad that everything was fine with it. And uh, I don't know that, that can't believe that. I'm sure that guy, when he found out it was Pickett's car, probably was like, oh, no, I really yeah. I have screwed up even more than I thought I screwed up. Like, So I don't know. But very interesting. Yeah. During a radio interview. Today. Yeah. Just kind of a crazy situation. You don't see yeah. that happen very often to uh, NFL quarterbacks like no, that. So. I imagine not. Yeah. We're going to shift gears here. We're going to talk about Marcus Golden. If you guys have a question for us uh, and you're live here with us, please drop it in the chat. Shane and I would love to get to your questions, anything you have. Um, Let's see. uh, Let's talk about his contract, first of all, Shane. Contract details for Marcus Golden just came out. And I like what I'm seeing. I mean, this is about as good as it gets. I mean, you're talking like veteran minimum right here Mm -hmm. uh, for Golden, who turned 32 years old this offseason. This is what I wanted it to be. I just didn't know if they'd come in maybe a little bit higher than this figure just because of his past success. I mean, he wasn't over the top productive last year, just two and a half sacks, despite being essentially a full-time starter, started 14 of 17 games. Year prior to that, had a 10-sack season. And so uh, we're looking at a guy who's just had a really productive career as a former second-round pick. And to get a guy with experience and kind of the insurance policy, if you will, uh, for this cap number is excellent. Yeah, I mean, I expected it to be closer to like the three millionish range because that's about what he signed for last year. And although mm-hmm. the production was down, like his overall like play level of play, I don't really think dipped that much. I just think the talent around him wasn't there as much. The Cardinals was were already not very talented on the defensive front, even with him and Watt there. Now, especially like if he was still there, that he'd have no shot of doing anything. I don't think like that front yeah. is about as bad as it gets. But that cap number is really good for Steelers, obviously, because it basically makes him a free player in the, in the end of the day. Like he can be, if you, especially if he can be that third edge for us this year. That this is nothing. Like this is a drop in the bucket for what they have to spend. So um, it is. I did. I did see that he did 
grew up as a fan of the Steelers and maybe he mm-hmm. just really wanted to play for us. And there probably was a team that was maybe willing to pay him a little bit more than this, but he didn't feel it was as good of an opportunity than coming to Pittsburgh. So yeah, good on them for getting him this cheap. Yeah. And so uh, that number is 1.09 million. I don't know yep. if I said that out loud. I put it, yeah, up, I got it, uh, put it up on the screen, yeah, I got on it the screen for us, but for our Spotify and Alexa listeners, yeah, uh, 1.09 can, on the cap number. Yeah. It, so that's, that's not bad at all. No. Considering the, the caliber of player you're getting. And I wasn't, crazy about Marcus Golden when they signed him. I mean, you got to temper expectations yes. for the player that you're getting at this point in his career, but is he an upgrade over Malik Reed? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, there's, I, so. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, last year, Shane Golden had 781 defensive snaps for the Arizona yep. Cardinals. Uh, that's 70% of their total defensive snaps. That's not going to happen in Pittsburgh. And we know that, and we've seen kind of this situation play out just two years ago. The Steelers signed a similarly old Melvin Ingram, who was kind of, again, coming off of a very similar type season uh, that what Golden is. And he was not happy with his role. And I think that part of it, though, is you can kind of tell uh, the sense that, that you were getting from him in the first media session with the Steelers is like, as long as I'm out there, I'm going to be good. And Golden's response was obviously very different. Golden's like, I'm here to win. I'm here for the team. Whatever they ask me to do, uh, that's going to be my job. And so... I think him having that understanding coming in with that already, it's going to help the transition go much, much smoother than it did. They're yeah. not going to have to ship him away before the trade deadline or anything crazy like that. Uh, but we also know that he's not getting 70% of the defensive snaps. If that happens, it means, uh-oh, something yeah. really bad happened and TJ Watt is down again or or Highsmith this time. So we obviously hope for the best, hope that that Watt can stay healthy because the last time he was, I mean, he was an MVP, even even when he got injured and missed a couple of games in the 2021 season, 2020, I thought he was fantastic. I still think 2020 is Watts best overall season, regardless yeah, of I would say because so. yeah. he was just so physically dominant and you can see the difference when he's healthy. Um, so anyway, what is your projection here, Shane? we're just put a, let, let's put a percentage on it. Uh, some, some fans might not have a, a great understanding of what a particular snap count means right. for defense players. So let's put it in, in terms of percentages here. He played 70% with the Cardinals last year. That's that's kind of like his, his MO throughout his career is, is in that range. Uh, but that's obviously going down now. What do you think that he's going to do in Pittsburgh? Well, if you're just to put a percentage on his defensive snaps played. So assuming that the starting edge rushes are relatively healthy, right? So you know, maybe miss a little yeah, bit. Of yeah. there, Assum- nothing, assuming decent yeah, health. Yeah. But nothing too crazy. I would say about 30% of the snaps because mm. you get him in on some third down situations. You get him in to help just again give those guys a break occasionally on either side of the field. Um, that sounds about right to me, about 30%. I hope it's around that amount if they're all healthy, just because that means he still gets gives them a break. There's going to be a break every so often. So I will say if there is an injury or if the guy misses a few games, you can start to see that creep up to closer to 50% of the snaps. And I think anything higher than that is definitely yeah. problematic. But if you can get him under that amount of snaps, he should be a very effective player whenever he does go out there. Yeah, I agree with your figure there. 30 was the number I had in my head. And I think that can go like 30 to 38 range, even Somewhere just depending on. Yeah. And, and Shane, I'm perfectly fine. If the Steelers want to say, I'm going to keep Watt as fresh as possible if we make it to the yeah. postseason, want this guy fresh. I don't care if they it, limit his usage a little bit, assuming the Steelers are comfortable in the game and they're not in jeopardy of, of losing out because you're not playing Watt enough. But I mean, if, if, try to reserve these guys as much as possible, because like we said, I think we even said on the last show, a lot of these good playoff caliber teams, 
they have at least two full rotation of yeah. edge players that they can deploy at any given time and say, go out there and get after the quarterback and guys that they trust. The Steelers don't have the luxury of doing that. They never really have. They really haven't operated that way. They, they kind of have, you got your, your pair of full-time guys. And then you have a guy, you have the backup who occasionally comes in and spells them of snaps. I'm okay with, with limiting Watts usage as much, as much as possible, but I still, I agree with you. If, Watt and Highsmith are healthy. I still think that's going to be probably like the 30 to 38 percentage, uh, a total defensive snap range, something, something like that. Um, now what kind of impact do you think that golden is going to have this year? Because obviously we looked at these past couple of years, it's been brutal in terms of edge depth for the Steelers. And uh, neither you or I were a fan of Malik Reed last year. He just didn't offer anything. And when Watt was out for that stretch, I believe I, I looked this up on stat head and I can't remember the exact year, but I, th I think the Steelers were on pace to be the fourth worst uh, sack team in NFL history since yeah. it became a thing when Malik Reed was in there and not TJ Watt. So that, yeah. that's the difference between the two. Yeah, it's, it was a stark difference. And I think the nice thing with golden is I think ideally he's going to come in on mostly third downs, maybe some early rundowns occasionally just because he is a, a bigger player. Overall, like he mm -hmm. can handle some of that snaps, maybe take some away from Highsmith occasionally. But the main thing with him is he's a technician, right? So he's not one of those guys who's yeah. just going to whip around the edge. You're not going to bend around the edge and just swipe the quarterback, you know, do all that stuff. He's going to win because with his hand usage, with his leverage, all that stuff. And I think against tackles when they're tired, like tackles when they get tired, obviously, the first thing that's going to go is their mm -hmm. technique, right? They're going to start to get a little bit sloppy with their feet. They're going to be a little bit you know, jostled that way this is a guy that can win against guys as they get tired because he's not wasting speed. He's not trying to win with speed. He's trying to win with technique later in the games. That's when that's going to break down. I think he could be a weapon in the fourth quarter. If our guys are a little bit tired, if you want to give TJ a little bit of a break for that big third down, put him in on first and second down in the fourth quarter, let him take on some of these tackles as they get tired, let TJ get fresh. And then on that third down play that you really got to have it watch fresh mm -hmm. and that tackles not. Like that, that's kind of what I'm hoping his role ends up being. Let yeah. TJ, especially because Highsmith is a younger player, still trying to prove himself more so than TJ. TJ can get a break every so often. Like, you know, what I mean, mm -hmm. like our defense isn't so bad that we can't put Golden out there and a couple snaps every so often just to give him a breather. That's where I think his impact is going to be felt is giving him a break so that way in that fourth quarter, again, Watt can hunt for the quarterback and end games for us like he has in the past. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's probably going to be his his role is is something like something like you just said there. I think he's got a little bit of a little bit of James Harrison in his game <laughs> in some ways, and in that same type of chip on his shoulder. Whereas, yeah. even though he was a second round pick still back in 2015, a lot of people counted him out. It was like, yeah. you're a bad athlete, man. Like you, you can't you're do in it, a four yeah. nine really at six foot two with 31 inch arms, and it's like there was a lot of I I was one of them. I was one that was kind of counting him out. I'm like, this is maybe too early for this guy yeah. because. He's a good player in college, but is it going to translate? It, he was one of the exceptions here where despite being undersized and a bad athlete testing wise, he really had an excellent NFL career and it's, it's still going maybe for another year or two. We'll see how long, but uh, he is a guy that, like you said, he wins with his technique and his, his stoutness and power. And so uh, I think the combination of those things is going to offer some stability uh, it, it, with depth at that position. And I think Shane, I think, the biggest thing to note here with all of this is we look back to just last season. I mean, you're talking Malik Reed and guys that have no business being on the field and you go to that. And like in March, like it looked like the Steelers, they had like Quincy Roche 
and Jameer Jones before he got cut by the team for the, the allegations. And so that was looking so concerning. And now you fast forward a few months later, you have Marcus Golden as, as your first guy at the bench and you have Nick Herbig as your fourth edge and the Steelers always keep four. That looks so much better to me now. Yeah. So much so, it Shane, does. that I would argue this is the strongest position from top to bottom considering you've got a top five player at the position. You've got a really good number two. You've got that solid depth piece now, and you've got the rookie who we don't know exactly what we're getting, but uh, fourth rounder, at least there's some upside there, and, and we both liked Herbig a lot in college. So uh, how do you feel overall about the position right now? A lot better, like you said, and I think the nice thing too is Golden is one of the best examples of a player that can help Herbig hopefully become a true edge rusher in the NFL because similarly yeah. to Herbig, he does not have the length, but he did get the technique down. He has the power. Mm. If you can teach some of that stuff to Nick and show him, okay, this is how even against bigger tackles, longer tackles, this is how I've been able to become a double digit sack guy at times in my career. That type of stuff could elevate him because Herbig does have the athleticism. And that's the thing that separates the two is Herbig kind of is the opposite of him where he doesn't have length either but he does have the athleticism maybe not the technique quite yet if he can kind of combine those two things you could get a really great long-term edge rusher out of Herbig because Golden's there to help him as well so hopefully that is something that he can learn from yeah and I, I think in order for Herbig to be that guy he's really going to have to win with technique a lot yes. because you're just there there's things that you're going to have to be able to overcome he's never going to be the most powerful he's never going to be able to long arm tackles because right. he just doesn't have that those type of traits but uh, if you can become that technician, there's, there can be a lot of value in that guy still. Uh, all right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the still curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the still curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all your support. And if you are joining us live now, go ahead and drop your questions in the chat yeah, for us. And absolutely. Shane and I will get to those, uh, Shane, let's talk about some potential breakout players here that maybe the biggest breakout players for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2023. Uh, I, I, we threw together our list here and we, we chose guys that have that been here already just for a little bit. Uh, not any of the newcomers, but we'll, we're going to go down through our list and we're going to say why they could make that jump, um, from last year to this year. Uh, we'll start things right off here with Kenny Pickett. And I think that this is one that most fans would agree with. Uh, yeah. we should be able to see a jump from Pickett. Uh, from his rookie year until now we saw already we we're already seeing some of those transitions in terms of his yards per attempt his passer rating his ability to take care of the football was probably the biggest one even though a lot of those early picks weren't necessarily his fault uh, yeah. second lowest interception rate in the NFL in the second half of the season and he led his team to a technically Shane a six and one record down the stretch that's if you don't count the one game in which he threw one pass before he got the concussion yeah, and left that yeah. six and one record seven and two since the bye week, regardless of how you look at it, even with the game that Trubisky had to come in against the Ravens and threw three picks and sabotage the game. So you're, you're talking about a, a, a player who has improved at the very least down the stretch, still a long way to go though, Shane. And I think the biggest thing for Pickett is he has to bring that yards per attempt number up. That cannot be down anywhere near the fives. Like that's gotta, that's gotta jump up to like the seven ish range uh, because those opportunities are going to be limited with how much the Steelers want to run the ball. They got to make each opportunity count. Listen, a lot of this goes hand in hand with Matt Canada and his offense doesn't allow a lot of room for yards after the catch with his receivers. And that is something that irks me to no end that the Steelers are dead last in that category. So he, they're not aiding Pickett there, uh, but he's got to be able to find ways to overcome that, be a little bit more consistent, maybe bring that it, it, like 
what is for you, Shane? What is like that ideal like baseline? I need to see this yards per attempt number from Pickett in 2023. So my thought offensively in general, this is across the league. So I don't really care what kind of offense you run. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you throw it 40 times a game or 25 times a game. I yeah. want at least seven and a half. Like if you're a seven and a half, that means you're a good passing offense to me. Like you're That's a great you're, threshold. Yeah. Like schematically speaking, uh, how the receivers are playing, the quarterback's playing. If you're at seven and a half, you probably don't have any major questions as far as the way the offense is run, the, the scheme, how the receivers are playing. That's at least going to get you to the point where you're pretty effective getting first downs, keeping the chains moving, right? I don't know if mm. he's they're capable because of who the coordinator is of getting the 7.5 this year. I think it's going to really take a lot of heavy lifting by Pickett and the receivers, which is possible, but it's, it's asking a lot, I think, because of the way the offense is probably going to be run. But the, there's really three things I'm looking at with Kenny this year. It's one – he is going to be starting as a starting quarterback right away in training camp. He's going to have all the reps. He's going to do all the stuff there. He's going to have the best opportunity to kick things off well. That's the number one thing you look at for a breakout. He is a second-year quarterback, which is always when you want these guys to break out. Oftentimes mm -hmm. it is when they have their best season. Sometimes they will have a little bit of shakiness after that, but usually this is where things kind of click, and then you just see how much better can they get from there. Um, varies but by, from guy to guy, but usually you see that second-year leap. And the last thing is the, the weapons are there. Like even though we know how Deontay Johnson played last year, it, it was rough to watch sometimes. But again, a lot of that is offensively. It's just kind of how it was. I'm hoping a little bit more explosiveness from those guys this year. I'm hoping to see a little bit more just in general. How do I say this? Kenny needs to be able to do some of the stuff on his own. That's just the mm -hmm. that's what it is with Matt Cannon's offense. He can't just sit there and run the offense. Unfortunately, if he wants to be successful, he's going to have to make some stuff out of structure happen. And I'm hoping that he has more confidence to do that. And Matt Canada understands, like, yeah, sometimes the play isn't going to be good, and I need to let I need to give Kenny confidence to say, hey, if it's not there, it's on you. You figure it out. Because if they give him mm -hmm. that confidence, I really think that that's where he can elevate his game the most making more of those out of structure plays and also just getting in a rhythm with his, excuse me, with his receivers. If him and Pickens can play anything like that, like that there, when he threw the ball to Pickens last year, especially down the field, one of the more effective plays in football, whether it's because, you know, there's oh, yeah. a couple of times that it was just really hard to guard that, that play, right. If he threw it on time and accurately, mm -hmm. they got to take advantage of that more as well. Like gets like, if you really need it on third and eight, and nothing's open, like be willing to let it fly to him because it oftentimes is going to work statistically. It did last year too. There's so many ways he can break out that it feels like he's going to. It's just how much of a breakout can he have with the bet? MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at bet MGM. Simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned throwing to picket their pickings. That that needs to be what happens more often yes, this year. Like, you need to get that 84 targets up to over the 100 range because yeah. quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett and Trubisky combined, had over 109 pass rating yeah. when targeting pickings. Good things happen. Uh, and, and so it, it, I agree with you, Shane. Matt Canada just has to loosen the reins up. Yes, loosen really the reins up on the guy. Let him call the two-minute offense. Let him call some of his own plays. Let him work outside of structure because – I think ultimately that's where Pickett's going to be at his best. And one of my comps for Pickett coming out just in terms of a play style comp was Tony Romo. And I thought that if Pickett can reach his upside, he can be a player like this. You don't have to have the biggest arm. You don't need to be like an elite runner of the football, but boy, if you can scramble and you've got a good head on your shoulders and, and you know, you've got the right leadership mentality, you can be a player who can perform similarly to that. And I would love to see that from him. And so I, I definitely want to see uh, him take that next step forward. And it's, there's not going to be a good stat to measure. I think the best stat is always yeah. going to be the game film and yeah. the eye test. And how is he performing? Because stats can be misleading at times. And if he's working against Matt Canada, if he's still not getting any help from receivers after the catch, that's going to affect him. So obviously I hope that the Sewers get a lot better in that department this year. I hope that they're more willing to pass the ball over the middle of the field, because if you're scrapping slants, drags and post routes from your playbook, that's a terrible idea to, to, to try to protect your quarterback. You're actually hindering yeah. uh, what they're able to do in their upside. And so you want to see the playbook change. I don't know how much it will and how much we can count on that in Canada's third season. But oh, I do yeah. think, I do think the signs will be noticeable, Shane. I do think that uh, we'll be able to see that significant jump and pick it. And I, I think that one way we'll be able to tell that is, is just the Steelers points per game. Like if we get halfway through the season, the Steelers are still averaging 18, 19 points per game. Something went seriously wrong in Pickett's development. I think at that yeah, point, if, if you're not overcoming that. In general, I'd, I'd say so. Like if you're looking for a statistical breakout, it's pr- just probably not in the cards for him realistically. Like he'd have to well overplay the offense. Cause again, I don't want to mm. harp on, on Pickett too much because we other guys to get to, but this offense is quite literally not designed to create chunk plays. It is not designed to create explosives. It is designed to get 11 yards in three plays. Like that's, that's what it's designed yeah, to do. Yeah. <laughs> and as much as that is ridiculous in the NFL nowadays, let's just mm. be honest about it. That's why if Kenny breaks out, it's going to be noticeable because one, we're going to get more explosives than we probably should just based on how the offense is constructed. And you should see a little bit more statistical success. Like if he can have, even nowadays, this means nothing, but 4,000 yards, 25 ish touchdowns and less than like 12 picks, he probably outplayed what the offense was asking him to do. Like that's, and that's sad, but it's true. Like that's kind of where we're at. Like if he does that, he probably played better than he had any right to. And that's just kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised Shane, if, if his season looked a little bit like kind of what Daniel Jones is. I know that fans don't want to hear that, but you're talking about, a team that wants to run the football 40 times a game. So if the Steelers have their way, I mean, Pickett's going to end up with the 32, 3,300 passing yards and maybe 20 touchdowns. And you're going to play very much game managing football. And and that's, again, this is not my uh, philosophy because when you have to go, 
from the 20-yard line down to score, and you're counting on every single play being a successful play for them when you don't have many plays designed uh, to get big ex explosive numbers, then you have to you have to bank on your your offense not stalling out. And more often than not, it will, and the Steelers will be forced to kick a field goal, be forced to punt. So I don't know if the philosophy is right, but I do think that you can see a kind of like a Daniel Jonesy type season. And obviously, we hope we see more traits than that and more playmaking ability overall. But I do think that Pickett. Uh, is a strong breakout candidate this year. I think that he will have improved numbers across the board in his second season. The question is how much, and I hope it's a significant jump. Uh, let's talk about Jalen Warren here, our second breakout candidate. Warren was extremely efficient. And if you go yeah. back, obviously this time last year, Shane, nobody knew Jalen Warren, or at least they didn't know what he was going to be. We had no idea no. that he was even going to make the roster at this point, but he leapfrogs Benny Snell, leapfrogs Anthony McFarland, two former fourth-round picks, not just to make the roster, but to become the the primary backup to Najee Harris and carved out 30% of the offensive snaps last year for the Steelers. Very efficient with his usage. Guy that averaged 4.9 yards a carry and 7.6 yards of reception, and good things happen when he was on the field. And so I'm very excited for his progression, his development. As a guy that was... I mean, short, compact frame didn't test particularly well coming out of Oklahoma State, but you just see an explosive player who just wants it on every carry and a guy that is, is unwilling to go down on first contact. And so definitely excited about what Jalen Warren can bring in year two. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think that for him, as a his breakout is a little different than the other guys on this list because we know that he is going to be the number two back and, and he should be. But yeah. his, as a changeup back for Najee, in this offense, that still might mean over 150 total touches because they want to put the ball on the ground. And I think to a certain mm -hmm. degree they should because of how they're built. But even more so, like they have the ability between these two guys to have a really effective rushing offense with an offensive line that gives them space, right? Once Najee's in the open field, good luck with that. Because Between being 240 pounds, he can make moves that guys decide just should not be able to physically do in terms of cutting and, and making guys miss. Warren is just a ball of energy that's really hard to tackle and deal with. And he, he surprises you and gets past. I think he really breaks away from guys, not just because he's faster than we think, but because they, they don't think he's as fast as he is mm -hmm. until they are up, up with him. And then he's past them all of a sudden. So for me, I want to see at least 150 total touches, you know, maybe a hundred ish carries, you know, 30, 40 balls caught. Um, I want to see the running backs be used in the passing game more and more effectively this year because I think they're both quality receivers. Najee especially, like his tape at Alabama, especially his receiver, was awesome. I want to see them tap into that more. But with with Warren, I want to see that efficiency stay there. If he can stay with that efficiency, especially as a runner, close to that four and a half plus yards per carry that he averaged last year, this running attack will be super effective mm -hmm. between the both of them. And you can see this as a mini breakout and kind of confirm him as a long-term, at least like part of a rotation in the backfield. Yeah. And, and Shane, I'm not going to be shocked at all when, when Jalen Warren takes a much bigger bite of the apple this year in terms of yeah. the Steelers offense, because I just think that he's going to be one of those guys that, is going to be hard to keep him off the field. Even if Najee yeah, takes a step yeah. forward as well, and we, and we would expect Najee to with the improved, supposedly improved offensive line, and it, and it should be. Yeah. Uh, so Najee's efficiency can jump forward as well. But, but I mean, we're, when we're looking at the traits that Warren has, it's just like he hits the hole hard. He's quick. He's he's relatively fast. He's not he's not like he doesn't have that 
extra gear, like yeah, the take it to the house gear, gear but have, yeah. but he hits top speed fast and he runs hard and he doesn't lose speed on arm tackles and just all the things that you look for. And he was an efficient, he was efficient as a receiver even. And so I think he's just going to be one of those guys that is just hard to take off the field is, is even if Najee takes a step forward as well. And so very interested to see what he brings this year. I mean, he's just, he's just a guy that's just going to fight for every yard. And so uh, no chance that he's leapfrogged on the depth chart. I don't think that fans would have to worry about him no, I losing think his role or anything the, that way. Yeah, I, I think he's very firmly in there. And, and if you want to talk about like advanced numbers, you look at like football outsiders, his advanced stats were tremendous last yeah, year. Now he didn't qualify for rankings on a lot of them because right. he didn't have enough usage. Uh, but in terms of, of his per play numbers, they were outstanding. And so, it's not hard to see how this guy could take that next step forward and maybe carve out a true rotation. I threw this out here, Shane, mm -hmm. to my father-in-law, actually, and this is way too high of praise uh, for the players that they are at this point in time, but I can see very similar play styles. It reminds me of a lot of Jacksonville when they had Fred Taylor and Jones Drew. Like those, uh, mm -hmm. that feels the, like the, the dynamic like the kind of the one difference two punch. in, in skill yeah, like too. Yeah. Neither, neither of them like the, the burner type, but they both still complemented each other very well. Yeah, like this backfield has really high potential. It really does because the blocking again, we hope, and there's no reason to think otherwise that what regardless of what happens to tackle, who starts and who doesn't, the interior should be incredibly strong with all the guys they have mm -hmm. there. The tackles, especially more if he does play for a while, or you know, whether it ends up being Jones, that should be very good, especially in run blocking if Jones starts. Like that's something I know, I'm confident he can do right away. Bring Washington in to help the like Everything is on the table for them, and I think if these two can play up to their potential, we're going to probably be a top five rushing team in the NFL this year. Like that's kind of I think that's what the expectation is internally too. Is we want to be one of the five best rushing teams in the NFL, mm -hmm. and they could do it. Yeah, and based on I mean the trajectory of the second half of the season, it's not that hard to believe, especially yeah. considering I mean you reshaped your entire left side of your offensive line yeah. and you added Darnell Washington, and so uh, definitely uh, I I don't think that that's out of the question at all. Uh, let's talk about George Pickens, our third breakout player here. A lot of people will say maybe you can't call George Pickens a breakout player because he already had such a great rookie season. And the guy had over 800 yards on just 84 targets, which is phenomenal. I think he was 13th in the NFL among all players uh, in yards per target. And that's considering not always getting the highest quality targets from, from both Pickett and Trubisky. And so what he was able to do was phenomenal as a rookie. Now, obviously, still has some major holes in his game. Like if you look at advanced stats on, on, on pro football focus, zero percentile in terms of his separation, but a hundredth percentile coming out of college, at least in terms of his, uh, his catching traffic stuff. And that's what we saw again as a rookie. And so a guy right now that just doesn't run the most crisp routes and doesn't create a lot of space, but he's a guy that I, I genuinely feel like he doesn't think that he needs to, because he thinks if the ball is coming his way, He's going to soar over somebody and catch it anyway. So, but we would like to see the before the catch stuff and the after the catch stuff both get a little bit better in terms of route running and, and run after the catch. So, yeah, his his breakouts, it's interesting. So, for him to break out, he's basically going to have to either have like a big time touchdown season on top of improving his mm -hmm. receiving numbers, or he's going to have to catch, you know, closer to 80, 90 balls and, and be more of an effective route runner. And I think that. He has the physical ability to become a better separator. I don't think he like unlike some other guys like Kenny Galladay, for example. He's a guy that people kind of been I've seen compared yeah. to. First of all, Galladay, as good as he was at times with the Lions, he was never the the type of aerial athlete yeah. that Pickens is. Like he didn't win those contested catches in the way that George does. Right? 
he's mm. uniquely talented in the fact that like like you said he does feel and so far no one's been able to tell him otherwise or prove to him otherwise that if the ball's in the air it's his and no one else's and that's pretty much been the case his entire mm. life probably right now do i want to see him add extra elements to game absolutely because that's how you go from being a number two player that has a unique skill set to becoming a guy who could be a number one receiver who can get yeah. 50 targets right that's what I want to see is can he add some of that to his game? Because, again, the physical ability is there. This, the speed is there. The lateral agility, I think, is there to do it. It's just can you convince him, like, hey, I know you're great at what you do. Do you want to be one of the best in the NFL? Because if you combine mm. even solid route running ability with his unique skill set, that's what he could possibly be. I really believe that. So it's up to him to get there, and I think that this team can teach him how to do We've seen how this team develops wide receivers. But it's just, is it going to happen this year? Or are we just going to see maybe an expanded role of mm-hmm. the same type of stuff that he was successful at last year? So, Yeah, I agree. I think that's the difference, Shane, is, is you can be the Alshon Jeffrey type, but do you want to be the DeAndre Hopkins type? Do yes, you want to be a guy exactly. that you can just pepper with targets because you are a good route runner on top of being a guy that's going to catch everything contested? So, and, and, and the contested catch stuff does not worry me. I don't worry about him regressing yeah. there and yeah, think all of a sudden being, yeah, all of a sudden being yeah. a player who suddenly doesn't catch the ball well in traffic. It's what he's done from high school till now. And he's just such a natural football player. If he yes, can he hone is. in on the rest of his craft, I think you can get a special player, especially when you factor in value of draft position. I think the Steelers took him 52nd. I had him 38th yeah. in my board, and I think that's too low, Shane. And, and yeah. so I, I think that he's going to be a guy that, that grossly outplays his draft status if he continues to progress uh, this quickly. And so we obviously hope to see more of those types of things from him. Uh, if I had to ask you right now, Shane, like what would be your, your, your ceiling? Let's call it ceiling of Pickens's numbers. Uh, did you think that he'll produce um, in his second season, like receptions, yards, yeah. and touchdowns? I think the ceiling is about 80 catches around 1200 yards. And like maybe even double digit touchdowns. It just with this offense, it's hard to kind of predict anybody to have double digit touchdowns yeah. other than maybe like Najee just because the running game. Um, but I would say somewhere between seven to 10 touchdowns is the ceiling for that. So again, 80, 1200, eight, seven to 10. And that's again, if he not only does everything he already does well, and just does it more, but also gets a little bit more of those plays where he's separating from guys and has a couple of big plays that way. So, yeah, I would certainly take that. Sign, sign me up yeah. for that. Yeah, I'll uh, take that. I, this office. <laughs> I know it, it's all going to come down to volume, Shane, because like yeah. I said, I, I think that how can you not get the guy the ball more when, when you have eight, 800 yards on 84 targets? How can you not get the ball more than what <laughs> you did? I think part of think. the problem is. They, they they rely on a lot of YOLO balls down the sideline. Yeah, which you don't and want to rely you, on. So it's like no, yeah. you don't. And, and yeah. you have to get him in situations where he can win more consistently. Than I mean, he wins at the catch point, but like the the target quality is not always going to be there. It could be well defended, and so uh, get him get the guy across the middle of the field. Get him in space. Get him running more than just like goes and comebacks. Yeah. And I'd like to see. Uh, that part of his game improve and, and maybe they'll kind of loosen up the reins on him a little bit and not just use him as that down the sideline receiver this year. Uh, let's talk about Pat Fryermuth, our fourth of five names here. Uh, again, another player, Shane, he's been in the league two years already. Uh, some might say that he's already broken out and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. It's just what I'm put him on this list for Shane is I want to see, can he take the jump from you are that definitely fr- at least a fringe top 10 tight end Two, can you jump up to the next tier? Is it possible for you to ever be in the Mark Andrews tier of tight end or the Dallas Goddard tier 
I, I I'm, we're not going to go crazy here. I'm not going to say George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, uh, those are two monsters there. of their own. Yeah. And so uh, I don't think that's as reasonable, but can he be like that next name, like right below uh, those two guys up there somewhere in that, in that range? I think that for him, there's really two things that has to happen. He has to stay healthy. Keep that noggin feeling all right because he's gotten oh, yeah. knocked around a little bit too much for my liking. I'm, you know, it's something you worry yep. about. Um, but that's the main thing, right? He's got to play enough to to get there. But the mm. other thing, and this is the biggest thing for me, is he has to be put in a position where he can run after the catch. Because even though he his, if you look at his numbers, run after the catch, it doesn't jump out at you at all. But the highlights of him after the catch are funny to mm. watch. Defenders just don't tackle him well. When he like when he gets going in a straight line, guys bounce off of him. He can make yeah. people miss. He is a great athlete in space for a tight end. He really is. So it's really up to the offense and Kenny to work with him because if you can get him into open space occasionally, even or even up the seam, whatever it is, and let him just rumble, he's gonna mm-hmm. get a lot more yards per care or yards per attempt thrown to him. He's gonna have a lot more yards per catch. Like his potential to be that Mark Andrews level of tight end is there because I think that's actually a pretty good comparison for him as a receiver overall. Um, People have tried to call him like, I think baby Kelsey, stuff like that before they win in similar ish ways, but Kelsey's so unique in the way that he just, he's never wrong as a route. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much always right. No matter what, that's something you just can't really project to a player, but he has similar ways of winning. Like he's capable of winning in similar ways. Let me put it that way. So it's really just about what kind of volume does he get? Because I think he should be realistically the number two target on this team most of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Pickens, and as much as I think Deontay can be a good player still, he's a guy that has to move up in the pecking order a little bit. He just is more talented and just plays better when he gets when he's given that opportunity. I want to see a thousand yards from this guy. I do. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's going to happen this year. I think it's asking a lot, but I want to see it because I think he is a thousand yard type of tight end. Like I really think he can be that. Yeah, I cut up a number uh, in, in a tweet earlier in the season, Shane, and he, at one point he was on the pace, I believe it was not for 923 yards. Yeah. Then he had the concussions. And look, give this guy the dorkiest helmet I don't possible. care what it looks it's, like. I don't yes. care if it's eight foot tall and it like doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like just <laughs> It can be something. made of memory foam mattress. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care. It, yeah. if, it, if it keeps him on the field and it keeps him from it prevents him from getting another concussion, yeah. give it to him. Give him because one he's too, too, get two yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> get it. Yeah. Buy him in, buy him in bulk. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Go down to the uh, Sam's club there. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> They need they need him on the field, and he is he's really good. I mean, as as a receiver, he's really good. Yeah. Up till week eighteen, Shane, uh, Fryermuth was the second highest graded tight end in the NFL, behind only Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and that he dropped to sixth. Uh, I believe it's he's sixth or seventh, sixth in the NFL at the end of the season. Just in that last game, he played sparingly. Got the knee injury, which scared all of us to half to death because we're like, is this going to linger on to next year? Yeah, end up just being a sprain, fortunately. Uh, but the guy just need, he needs to be peppered with targets because he's just good. And you talk about his run after the catch ability. This is something that doesn't necessarily st- show up in the stat sheet because not everything is equal. And what I mean by that is if you put him in Kyle Shanahan's office where, where you're doing a stretch play action rollout yeah. and you get guys streaming at three different levels across the middle of the field, you're going to have a lot more room to run after the catch. And when, when Fryermuth is, is on a hitch, has to make the first guy miss and then break another tackle after that. It's a lot harder to get yards after the catch. It's worth mentioning, though, that he by far led the Steelers in that department last yeah. year, and that's that's over their wide receivers. Yeah. So get the guy the ball, get him the ball in space. 
allow him to break tackles out of the catch because he's very physical and he's got a little bit of wiggle to his game for being a six foot five, 258 pound player. So I'm excited for Fryermuth. Again, the biggest thing both you and I said, got to stay healthy, got to be able to avoid those concussions, stay out on the field, avoid the nicks and bruises that can sometimes hamper him a little bit. Uh, but when he's healthy, he's good. And, and so he needs to, he needs to be a guy that I think Shane should get the ball eight to 11 times a game, that many looks. So yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So. Yep. So I, I, we can definitely see a breakout season from him in year three. Uh, one more name on the list, Shane, and we'll wrap up today's show. This one, I feel the least confident of the group about a true breakout season, but I threw DeMarvin Leal on here. And, and yep. the reason why is because we did see some of those pass rush flashes uh, before he had the knee injury and went on IR. And then he played a little bit sparingly after he came back. And I think part of that was just trying to re reserve his health a little bit. But this was a guy, and you get you go back to his his college tape, which was the biggest sample. At one point, he was viewed as like a top five pick in the draft, and this was before he he tested at the combine. This was before he kind of had a a so so junior season. But the guy was really productive in the SEC. He's incredibly bendy for being an interior pass rusher at this point. So I'm excited to see what it brings to the table. Like it wouldn't shock me that even if he's a guy coming off the bench, if he pitched in like six or seven sacks for the Steelers and in eight tackles for a loss. He's just a guy that can get after the quarterback and, and he can clean up a lot. So uh, what to you, what, what would be like the standard of a breakout age for Leal? Like what would that have to look, look like for you, for him to break out? I think because of the fact that his role is kind of unknown is what hurts him the most is like, we really don't yeah. know how to project what he's going to mm -hmm. do because we don't know. And I don't think the Steelers really know either yet what his role is going to be, because if you, slot him in as a essentially a backup edge right because of how mm. much they like to play these guys and they just saw Mar sign marcus golden if his primary position is edge he's probably not going to play a ton right he just probably isn't if he's going to play inside there's still more depth there now with you know this they obviously drafted county benton they, they brought ogan joby back um, i think if ogan joby didn't come back his role would be even more defined but again, mm -hmm. I still think that they want to have a rotation in there. They don't want to wear those guys out, especially more so than the edge rushers. So it just comes down to his role. Like if he plays 30, 40% of the snaps in some way, shape, or form, I do think he could get five, six, seven sacks just because I think everyone else around him will give him the opportunity to get those one on ones, whether it's inside or outside. And when you give a guy that has been like this and has the production in the SEC, he's probably going to win a lot of those one on ones, whether it's mm -hmm. on the edge or not. So. I hope that he plays more, and I hope he plays more of a defined role, even if that role is a hybrid one as long as it's defined and they know, okay, in this situation, he's an, he's an inside player. Uh, in this situation, he's an outside player. Like As long as that's defined for him and he knows what his what he's expected to do, I do think that he's a talented player that can get some production this year. Yeah, and the role is obviously very important uh, to his career trajectory as well, Shane. Yes. If I had it my way, I would only play him on the edge in true rundown situations yes. like yeah. goal line if you want to throw them out there on, on first and 10 whatever every once in a while that's fine with me but i'm not i'm not gonna say are you an edge or are you an interior guy i think he needs to be an interior guy like Ideally, that's where yes. i would and so if i had my way it would be 80 percent interior 20 percent the edge at the most and i i think shane uh just based on his skill set and how he wins with, with quickness and bend and, and pass rush moves I think that playing him at the three tech spot is going to be his best role in the Ideally. NFL. Yeah. And, and I want to see him there often. And so in a perfect 
situation. Let's see. You got the other guys. You've got a pretty deep group at this point with, with Benton there and Ogan Joby coming back healthy. And uh, you would like to be able to see him as that situational rusher almost from the interior that you can say, come in here on third and long and tee off on the quarterback, go, go and get yeah. pressure there, clean up the sack, allow somebody else to clean up whatever it is. But I think ultimately if he works out, that's going to be his best role as the interior pass rusher type. Um, and, and I think that that's uh, some, something similar to that stat line, the five, six sack range is reasonable. Um, even taking that jump after being injured last year to that, I don't think it's out of the question. It just, it is going to come down to a matter of rotation and usage. Like how are the Steelers going to use this, these guys? Like, obviously we know that, that Hayward is the top dog there. He's going to be the guy that gets the most snaps. Um, and then Ogan Joby will probably follow after that because he's making nine and a half million dollars a year between Keanu Benton, who, who might play a little bit of a different role and DeMar yeah. Leal. Like I'm just, I'm interested to see how the rest of the depth shakes out after that point and how many snaps that these other players are getting like Brayden Fioko. Like, is he going to, is he going to come in just like, just play nose a few snaps a game? I have no idea, but, uh, you're, there's a lot of turnover here, Shane. You're not, you're talking no, no Chris Wormley, unless the Steelers decide to bring him back healthy some point this summer. Uh, he's not under contract anymore. So, so no Wormley, no Tyson, Alulu, Montrevious Adams could be gone. He's probably the odd man out at this point. So there's a lot of different faces, uh, on the defensive line at this point, And I'm interested to see how it shakes out. Like Isaiah Loudermilk, does he stick around on the roster in what kind of role is he going to, is he going to be that five tech player? Um, and, and so, Guys that wear different hats, I would say. And I, I think that if you're looking for guys with niches, like his niche is going to be rushing the rushing the passer. Yeah, from regardless of how where he's playing, it's definitely rushing the passer right now. And I think really, like you said, what does the depth chart actually look like, right? Because you know who your starters are in terms of the two interior defensive linemen. If there's two on the field, it's it's going to be Hayward and it's going to be Ogunjobi. We kind of know that. Yeah. Then it comes down to, is Benton the primary nose tackle at this point? Like, does he win that job? Even though, again, I don't think that's necessarily his best role. Does he play that this year a mm. lot of the time? And then kind of switch between one and three. Does Leal switch between three and five? Because if you kind of have him yeah. as the primary three and five backup, then like he could play a significant amount of snaps. It's really just kind of hard to know right now until things shake out. I'm curious to see in the preseason especially, and also during training camp, which Definitely hoping to be there this year a couple times. Um, where does he line up, really? Like, this is kind of like mm -hmm. where, what kind of role does he have in, in camp practices and then preseason? Do, do we see him play mostly on the edge? Do we see him play mostly inside? I'd like to see kind of close to what you said, like a, an 80 20 split inside out, uh, especially if the outside reps are very specific. But mm -hmm. it's really hard to tell with them right now. It's really kind of hard to see what they want to do with them. Yeah, it is. Training camp's definitely going to give us a clearer picture uh, yeah. of a lot of these questions that we have and, and we, we proposed here today. So, And that's one guy that I'm looking at in particular because mm -hmm. he was a guy. I mean, you look at the value the Sewers got him compared to the consensus board. Like they, they got him way above value when they took him in the third round in last year's draft. And so uh, obviously it's rookie season was kind of derailed, but I'm interested to see what he brings to the table because I think there is some moldable talent to work with there. Just going to come down to what position do the Steelers view him at? That's ultimately what's going to matter. Um, yeah. So we'll know a lot more of that stuff here in the new future, near future. Uh, all right. By next week at this time, Shane, we're going to be looking at third wave of Steelers OTAs, and then mm -hmm. we're going to get on from that. We're going to have a little bit of a dry stretch, and then it's training camp after that. Yeah, so things will move around pretty quickly here. Uh, the summer goes by fast. So thank you all for joining us today on the show. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.